I've been thinking about questions. In the biblical version of the parable of the bags of gold, the first reading, the author doesn't say what the servant, not friends, were thinking when they chose how to deal with the money left in their care. And I went along and added what I thought sounded like the questions which led to their actions. Because I think their questions were the deciding factor. The two friends that shared and invested the wealth weren't thinking about how to avoid conflict. And the last friend that buried the gold in the ground probably didn't ask how they could act meaningfully. What we ask already has stored inside of it our expectations, our assumptions, our prejudice, our hope, and the outcome. As our readings explain in different ways, our questions are windows into our idea of our role, of who we are. I believe we are powerful, creative, and vital. We have the power to grow and share love and the power to strategically execute hate. Gandhi, Thich Nhat Hanh, and Malala Yousafzai are famous people for the power they wielded, although society and context and history told them they were powerless. There is something to say about how much and what kind of power everyone has. There's a great variety, depending on the hand of privilege you are dealt, and that hand can change throughout your life. Intersections of class, race, gender, orientation, language, ability, and many others can shift. But apart from those very real disbursements of power, each one of us has innate power. If all else fails, we have the power over how we relate to reality, how we define what is meaningful. Shoah, Holocaust survivor, Viktor Frankl wrote a powerful book, Man's Search for Meaning, which explores this truth. He relays his own experiences in Auschwitz and his subsequent psychological theories. Frankl writes on the conditions necessary to cultivate a meaningful life. Quote, between stimulus and response, There is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. End quote. We are charged with infinite power where and how we direct our response. To curate one's choice and mindfully respond is an art form. When done mindfully and from love, it's graceful and compelling, like breakdancing. And when it's done reflexively, from anger or shame or fear, it's more like like a street fight with knives. And all we do, we are creating how we respond. You may or may not identify yourself as an artist, but I'm willing to claim that we all, we all are creators and being created. My mother used to co-create weekly game nights when I was young. Her four kids, me and my siblings, would take showers, get in our pajamas, and instead of going to bed, we would all gather on her bed and wait for her to join us. Then we would play. 
And it was a blast. We played so many weird games that don't have names. Like one, one of my favorites, someone would leave the room, everyone else would get under a blanket, maybe two when we were getting bigger. And then we would make different shapes with our bodies. And then the other person would come in and have to poke a, a lump and guess who it was. Hilarious. It was such a joy. I can't even tell you. <laughs> and it was great that we were playing it with my mom, too. My mom created fun Friday nights without having to spend a dollar, and we still went to bed, often with sore stomachs from how much we laughed. But let's be real. Life doesn't follow a script, and my mom would orchestrate simple plans of family fun that naturally four opinionated children would derail. During the night, someone might get offended or feel left out or get ignored or leave have a tantrum, argue, life would happen. But creators are practicing improvisers. Improvisers don't get stuck on, we've never been here before, or this hasn't happened, or this isn't how we've always done it. Improvisers don't say, why can't they just calm down? Improvisers play from a yes and posture and find gems along the way. On one day, success, my mom would decide success wasn't a full night's rest, but making the time to play, just play with each of us. Or on another day, she was flexible and reassessing her goals, and maybe today's success wasn't that we had four happy kids, but making space for someone's grief and pain and seeing one another was. My mother created. And from her creations, she herself was being constructed. What kind of a mother she was and is, how we remember her, how we relate to her now as adults, was being formed in those early years, not just at recitals and big events. It was on Friday nights on her bed, too. Think of the many relationships you have. Think of some of the ways you've created experiences and defined relationships. How you created the parent or the child, the friend that you are. Think about how you created the partner, the community member, the sibling and leader that you are. We are all creators. As well as creators and powerful, you are a vital member of your life. Honestly, there wouldn't be a your life if you weren't here. You are a vital member of the human family and American society, of your city, of this church, even if it's just for today, and we could not be us without you. There is no us without you. It takes all of us to make us. And it isn't the same without you. The United States isn't the United States without indigenous people, black people, Asian people, Latinx people, immigrants, and refugees. Humanity isn't humanity without the view and experiences you bring. At your disabled or queer, indigenous or low-class, marginalized voice is vital. 
and every last one of our us's participation, our participation in shifting the moral arc of society towards justice is vital. We are vital for there to be justice on earth. We are vital for there to be love shared among souls and the creation of a truly beloved community. We are all needed. We are all important participants. You are universally valued and particularly vital. Spirit or God, goddess, the universe, justice, source, that which cannot be named, is powerful. It's creative. And it's vital. It is because we are, and we're creating it in every moment. And yet so often we get stuck trying to figure out what to do or how to respond. And so, my Unitarian siblings, I say this in love, for I am one of you, we think about it a lot. (laughs) And we ponder, and we contemplate, and we debate, and we think about it some more. And then we come back and we think about it just yet again from a different angle. I'm one of you, it's cool. (laughs) And I'm currently delivering a sermon, egging us on to ask questions in the midst of that chaos of unknowing. But hey, hey, listen. This is not a sermon to encourage the soul-sucking, mind-numbing, endless riddle of philosophical, spiraling questions as an endpoint. That's not the goal. We don't build community, we don't share love, and we don't transform lives or create good or create God stuck in mental battles. Without a clear vision, we can spin our wheels, and while we think we're really going somewhere fast, we're just getting more stuck. I think in our relationships and our committees and our government, we do this on accident enough. In the spirit of this month's theme, and my greatest hope for us all, today I want us to strengthen our transformation muscle. How to know what questions to ask, because therein lies our answer. Or like Frankel, how to expand our power of choice when relating to a stimulus. Dr. Ivy Norris says understanding is what creates true healing. With new understanding, we make possible new outcomes. Just like if we do what we've always done, we'll get what we always got, Dr. Ivy introduces the way out, the interruption to the cycle, new understanding. Some of the greatest, aha, eureka, oh my goodness, mind-blowing revelation moments are when we are daring to ask a different question to understand a problem. Civil rights legendary leader Ruby Sales shared in an interview with Krista Tippett in, I think, August of 2017, this intimate story. Quote, A defining moment for me happened when I was getting my locks washed and my locker's daughter came in one morning, and she had been hustling all night, and she had sores on her body, and she was just in a state, drugs. So something said to me, ask her where does it hurt? 
And I said, Shelly, where does it hurt? And just that simple question unleashed territory in her that she had never shared with her mother. And she talked about having been incested. And she talked about all the things that had happened to her as a child. And she literally shared the source of her pain. And I realized in that moment, listening to her and talking to her, that I needed a larger way to do this work, rather than a Marxist materialist analysis of the human condition. End quote. Our questions can transform our paradigms and make tangible, new, healthier actions and outcomes. They can reveal and they can fuel sustainable right action. What are the questions you're working with? Think about it. Like I'm, we're going to pause. Think about it. All right. I'm going to invite us to play with new understanding a different way at looking at things. Let's think of uh, the kind of questions that shake up our disillusions and reveal our new world. Like, who isn't here? And what do we do to keep them out? Questions that make simple the complicated. Where is love in this? Questions that remind us what is meaningful and true. What does our money and time say we really prioritize? Questions that uncover source and claim inherent worth. Baby, where does it hurt? Questions that reclaim power and creativity. How will I respond? And questions that recognize and celebrate abundance. How can this be shared? The ushers will now be passing out strips of colorful paper and some pens. Please share. (laughs) And I want us to write down a paradigm-shifting question. It could be a question you were asked once and that stuck with you, or one you've thought of just now. What sort of question do you want to be asking in your life? What question would be worthwhile for us to regularly ask here at Hope? I'll say those again. What sort of a question would be worthwhile for you to be asking in your own life? And think about what kind of questions would be worthwhile for us to be asking here at Hope. Think of a meaningful question and write it down. Chris will be playing for us. And we will have five to seven minutes.
everyone written their questions? Nods? Close enough. <coughs> Wonderful. Thank you for participating. Today, I hope you were poked. In this routine thinking and regular expectations and habitual reactions and actions, I hope this sermon poked you and it nudged you to ask what questions you're currently debating and what questions could transform. During our offering, we will go back around and collect the question strips in the rectangular baskets. And while we sing our closing hymns, the baskets will go back around and you will pick a new transforming paradigm question. Think of it as a sort of blessing or a hope from the community, one that speaks to the deep assurance of your power, your creativity, and vital role in life.